Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 64, When Life is Art. It's September 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and more. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, well-loved, even when life is difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. When life is hard. Well, life is hard all the time, lots of times for many people, and life is too hard for too many people. So it's very, very common that people feel like life is hard because the reality is life is hard. And I know all about I know all about how hard life is. I'm chuckling, but it's not funny. Uh I mean, when you have all of your assets and money illegally and fraudulently taken, you know that life can be bitterly hard and painful. So I've got good news, though. There are things that you can do that will make life easier and will make the hardships not as hard. So there's lots of really good news in this podcast. My request is that you listen to this podcast with an open mind, maybe a little curiosity, a little wonder, like, hmm, what could I be doing that might make my life a little easier? And my specific request is that you not beat yourself up, which is the normal, typical, thrown way of being human. Human beings are really, really wickedly good at beating themselves up, or thinking and saying negative things about themselves, and that's just not going to be helpful. When life is hard, that's really not a helpful thing. So I've got good news, and let's get going. So what am I going to cover in this podcast today? Well, I'm just going to give a brief, a brief, brief mention of the evidence of life being too hard for too many people. I'm going to give you some examples of when life is hard. I'm going to talk briefly about pain and suffering. I'm going to talk to you about what is missing or what would be helpful. Dealing with overwhelm, getting back in the driver's seat, why focusing on happiness is key. Then I'm going to give you some suggestions for when life is hard, a couple takeaways, and a call to action. So if you happen to be new to my content, then I hope you're going to go to my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway, which is look, look, I want a book, and I'm going to be starting a new giveaway very soon, which is a gluten-free and allergy-free cookbook giveaway, which I'll be giving away current copies of my current gluten-free and allergy-free cookbook, as well as some copies of the one that's out of print, out of print because one of the staple ingredients in many of the recipes is no longer manufactured. So I love giveaways because they make me happy, and they make people who win things happy, so go to my website and enter. Now, the next piece is my disclaimer, and this is very important. If 
you need medical advice or therapy advice, you should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a medical provider. Uh, I mean, I've produced extraordinary results in life in those areas, but I am not a licensed professional in any capacity, and that's where you should be getting your medical or therapy advice. So you, So that's that. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and life is just too hard for you, or you're thinking of suicide, or you're thinking of harming yourself, or you feel hopeless, my request is that you call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to take action. I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm asking you to tell people. And if you need to post it on social media, have at it. What I promise you is that people will help you. There is help available. It just might not be from the people who you want to help you. But take the help. So that number again is 1-800-273-8255. Ditch any shame or embarrassment. Listen, like you're human. All right, that's that. Now, as far as the evidence that life is too hard for too many people, I don't know how many statistics you need, but if you simply look around in life, if you simply start becoming awake and aware and start looking at people, people are generally not looking happy, and they're certainly, given the health statistics, they're not physically healthy. So we have depression, we have addictions, we have suicide numbers, we have obesity numbers, we have the number of people who are on prescription medications for health problems. It should be readily apparent that life is too hard for too many people. If you look at any of the numbers, the statistics, or just look at people. I mean, I used to do this with my kids when they were young. We'd go grocery shopping or we'd be at a big box store and I would say to them look around look around at the people in the store do they look happy well mostly they did not so we don't need really any more evidence that life is hard and life is too hard for too many people so I want to give you some examples which I think will make it very clear uh, the commonality of this phenomena the, the common commonness of life is hard. So um, I'm not going to say all the numbers, but starting with number one, when someone dies, when you lose your job or your spouse or partner loses their job, when a relationship or marriage ends or it isn't going well, when you are young, yes, it's hard to be young. And I have a YouTube video on that because it is hard to be young. And if you're older and you don't think it's hard to be young, you might want to take a look at that video. When someone is sick or has a chronic health issue, when you are depressed or have anxiety or engage in overthinking, ruminations, catastrophizing, negative thinking, etc. When you have low self-esteem, when you have been betrayed, lied to, cheated on, when you have financial issues or have little or no income or not enough income, when you yourself have a health issue, when you when people are not nice to you, when you are excluded or left out, when you have a dream that you really wanted, die. When you are bullied or discriminated against in any capacity. When your money, assets, or property is stolen or taken fraudulently. When you have too much on your plate. 
when the people you expect to help you don't help you, when you are ditched, rejected, or ghosted, when you don't have enough friends or enough good friends or enough local friends or your friends are too busy, when you have been treated unfairly, when you have a special needs or otherwise sick child, when you are a caregiver of any kind, kind when you uh, have a disability or someone in your life does, when you are judged, criticized, or condemned, when it seems like you just can't catch a break, when you are in, in, a, in an abusive relationship, which is actually very common, or when someone you love or care about is in an abusive relationship, when you, are, when you feel like you are not good enough or not worthy or not deserving, also very common, when you get passed over for a promotion at work, when you feel like when you, when you have a bad manager at work, when you don't feel like you have any purpose to your life, when you didn't get to have children when that's what you wanted, when you grew up in a dis dysfunctional family because that stuff doesn't end in childhood. That stuff doesn't stop. When you don't feel well-loved, well when you can't trust people, when you don't feel like anyone understands or gets you, when people invalidate your feelings or tell you that you shouldn't be feeling that way, when you can't figure out what to do to make your life better, when people put you down, belittle, or demean you, when you are in danger or don't feel safe, when you are dealing with a trauma or traumas or a traumatizing event or situation, when you haven't healed from a past trauma or traumatizing event, when you don't have strong coping skills or mechanisms, when you have a cognitive distortion or think irrationally, when you have a mental health issue, when you hold dis disempowering attitudes or beliefs in life, when you feel like people have let you down, when your life didn't turn out the way you expected it to, when you have been used, exploited, or manipulated by others, when you have lost hope for a better day. That is 50 different examples of when life is hard because those are very hard things. And many of them actually are very common things. So it's a common phenomenon to feel like life is hard. It's just common because actually life is hard. So I want to talk about pain and suffering because when life is hard, you're in pain. So pain and suffering usually go hand in hand and is usually what's present when you're feeling like life is hard. So suffering is defined as the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. So pain can be emotional pain, it can be physical pain, psychological, mental. Pain is pain and pain is painful. Life is hard, hardships are hard, death is hard, you know, there are so many parts of life that are hard and painful. It's part of being alive and living. So because we're talking, this podcast is about for when life is hard, I really want to take a little sidebar here and talk about suffering. Because it is said, it is said commonly or so whatever, that pain in life is inevitable or pain is, you know, part of life or pain is a necessity of life. But suffering is optional. Well, I don't know if suffering is actually optional, but I think there are some 
growth potential here to have a little conversation about suffering. So, so a couple years ago, I found out about this book from a friend called Holy Abandonment. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe I should read that. And I did. Of course, it was like the God's timing or the universe's timing that I read that book right before parts of my life would, where the truth would be revealed. And I it was a huge betrayal. I was horrible. But it was a perfect timing for the book. Now, it's not a book I recommend to everyone, by the way, because it's a very difficult read. It's, it's a religious book written in the 1930s uh, by a reverend. Um, very difficult to read, and I had recommended it in the past, and people started to read it and were like, oh, this is impossible to read. So I don't recommend it, but here's the takeaway that I think is very powerful in the area of suffering. So when life is hard and you have some type of pain, then suffering is usually present. So here's the three levels of suffering according to this holy abandonment book. So number one, you are suffering over something, whatever it is, and you just get through it. So that's level one. You're suffering about something, but you just kind of get through it. The second level of suffering is that you're suffering over something and you are still able to find some joy and happiness in life, despite the fact that you are suffering. So the second level is you're suffering just like level one, only you're able to find some joy and happiness despite the fact that you're suffering. And level three is you are suffering over something, you're able to find joy and happiness, and then you ask for more suffering. I know. Like, who in the right mind would ask for more suffering? I have no idea. I certainly would never do that. I've been at level two pretty much most of my life, not knowing there were three levels. And uh, it's amazing because, you know, there's just parts of life like I covered that are just deeply painful and hard. And when life is hard, you're typically suffering, but you don't, it doesn't have to be pervasive. Like it doesn't have to color everything in your life. So one of the things about suffering is when life gets really hard, what's common, even for people who are not religious, is people often turn to God. You know, people start asking for miracles and people who are not religious start praying. So, you know, like they'll say, dear God, you know, or, you know, it's, it's just a common event that people who are not religious will turn to God when life is very hard. So what it turns out, and I didn't know this until 2018, but religion and having religion in your life and having religious practices that you engage in and, and subscribe to is actually a very strong coping mechanism for life. Well, who knew? I had, I had no idea. I was like fascinated with the idea that religion and religious beliefs and practices could be a, a strong coping mechanism for life. Well, in the medical research in PubMed, they use the terminology religious coping. That's how they describe religion as a coping mechanism. It's called religious coping. coping. And they define it as the use of religious beliefs or behaviors to facilitate problem solving 
to prevent or alleviate the negative emotional consequences of stressful life circumstances. Now that's from Koenig et al. 1998, page 513. So another definition though is religious coping is religiously framed cognitive, emotional, or behavioral responses to stress encompassing multiple methods and purposes as well as positive and negative dimensions. So it's very interesting because one of the studies uh, and suggests that religious activities and beliefs may be particularly compelling for persons who are experiencing more severe symptoms and increased religious activity may be associated with reduced symptoms. So religion may serve as a pervasive and potentially effective method for coping, method of coping for personal people who have mental illnesses, thus warranting integration into psychiatric and psychological practice. That's from the prevalence of religious coping among persons with mental illnesses. Um, psychiatryonline.org, Leslie Tepper, PhD, from 2001. So what, why would that be that there's, there, I was actually surprised. So I usually take a little dive into PubMed or PubMed Central to see about any new research on a topic just to be current because some things I haven't looked at in a long time. And so, of course, I didn't know religion was a coping mechanism until 2018. Uh, but, you know, so there's quite, a, I was really surprised about the volume of uh, the search results on religion as a coping mechanism. And I think if you understand religious well, religion, well, of course, it would put suffering in the con in a con in a powerful context because, you know, suffering can polish your virtues, which is very important in religious religion. Your virtues like humility, chastity, uh, kindness, patience, patience, charity, and of course, in the Christian faith, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, so. People can offer up their suffering for God or for Jesus. So it actually, you know, has a lot of things that are helpful in terms of coping, including avoidance of sin and all that stuff. So when you're in pain, you are probably going to be suffering. And now I've outlined there's three levels of suffering. And oftentimes people are at level one because they haven't figured out how that they could even have happiness or they could even have some joy while they're in the midst of this deeply painful event. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, you absolutely can have joy and happiness in the midst of multiple painful events. Seriously. So what we want to look at is what is missing or what would be powerful then. So I have a list of things that would be helpful. And, and in many instances, it's what's missing. So for this list, I just want you to listen from, hmm, where am I on that? Where am I on that? Because this is going to give you some places you can, you can start from. So number one, strong coping mechanisms or coping skills for life. That's very helpful, period. 
Number two, assertiveness. Assertiveness is amazing and will help you in every area of life. And it's one of the things that is sometimes missing. Sometimes it's really one of the things that is the thing that's missing that has life be hard for some people. Number three, self-care. I'm a diehard fan of self-care. It is so important. It is tragically, seriously missing in the world and in society. Number four, self-compassion. Well, I already asked you at the beginning of this podcast not to beat yourself up wherever you are about life being hard. Or, and self-compassion is sadly missing. People are very hard on themselves. So being having self-compassion means you're being kind to yourself. Well, a lot of the people I deal with and I talk to are very compassionate with other people and very kind to other people, just not with themselves. Well, it's called taming your inner critic, and that will go a long way when life is hard. Number five, time management. That feels really good and will help you. It will help the more you build your time management skills. That helps you grow new neuronal pathways in the executive functioning of your brain and will help you feel better. Setting goals. Oh my goodness. The research is very clear that setting goals and then taking actions towards those goals helps people be happier. And when you're in the midst of life being hard, Setting some small goals and taking actions are going to definitely help you. Happiness. Happiness is amazing. And it's also one of the things that is missing for many, 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 the majority of people in the world. People don't know how to be happy. They're not happy. They're unhappy. And they're unhappy that they're unhappy and they don't know what to do. Happiness is complex. It's not like magical, like, oh, just change your mindset and then you'll be happy. Well, I think that's a load of BS. Positive thinking is a good thing, but that'll only get you so far. Positive thinking is like a little bit of a band-aid. Now, if you're talking about optimism, that's a much stronger, that's more like a, you know, that's more like stitches. But, you know, happiness adding happiness to your life will help you when life is hard and what we're talking about is what is missing or what would be helpful empowering attitudes and beliefs and for some people that's really the thing that's missing is they have disempowering attitudes or beliefs that shoot them in the foot and they don't know it they're not awake and aware to that number nine emotional intelligence emotions are your superpower as a human being but only if you learn how to use them and unfortunately tragically in America and in the entire world we as a society as a world are very bad with emotional intelligence we are not high with emotional intelligence we don't know how to access emotions as a superpower so this is one of the things that's missing for the majority of the people and it's one of the things that would be very powerful self-discipline well I know that's hard and I just did a podcast about that but that's going to help you in every area of life and it will particularly help you when life is hard making friends more friends better friends or friends that are local or friends that are available will help you because we know that 
social connections and dealing with loneliness and isolation and having the social connections is more valuable to human health than dealing with obesity and other serious health issues. So we don't want to minimize having friends because when life is hard, friends can really help you along the way. Uh, number 12, being able to find some happiness when you are suffering. This is an idea that I, I talked about the three levels of suffering. This is an idea, and I know because I've talked to enough people about it, that some people are like, mm, no. Well, you can have that attitude like, no, I'm just going to suffer, and you can just go ahead and suffer. You can do that. But it would be helpful and it's powerful to be able to have some happiness and some joy even while you're moving through a time when life is very hard. So you can say no to that, but it's helpful and it's powerful and you can still say no to that. At number 13, asking for help and receiving help. I am a big fan of asking for help when you need it and then taking the help, although I will totally admit it's very, very difficult for me to ask for help for some things. <laughs> like, I'm not the easiest person to contribute to, but when I need help, oh, I ask for it. I do. And there have been lots of times in life when I, I needed a hand or I needed someone to help me. So I have no shame or embarrassment, but that's something when life is hard, being able to ask for help and take the help will help you move through a hard time. Now, number 14, this is ripped right from some of the research I did on neuroplasticity of the brain. So there's this um, female researcher, Ms. Diamond, who um, did a very interesting study. And what she did in her lab was she had her lab workers or assistants take the rats out of their cages and just kind of love on them, give them a little TLC, pet them and talk to them. And this next sentence I'm going to read you is from the research on neuroplasticity of the brain and, and Ms. Diamond's research. So one of the things that's missing, by the way, is love. So here's the quote. Perhaps love is one of the most valuable, intentional, emotional experiences human beings can produce to drive brain plasticity in a positive direction. It is significant that the only change in experimental paradigm in the Diamond Research Lab was the addition of TLC in holding and talking with the rats and that this TLC resulted in continued production of neuroplastic gains through a 50% increase in lifespan to the human equivalent of 90 years. So perhaps love is missing. And when life is hard, I mean, love is great, and you want to have love in your life, but here's the thing, most people, the majority of people don't feel well loved. I did a video on that and then I was just heartbroken that almost everyone I talked to and everyone I met, strangers and 
all kinds of people said, well, that's an interesting video. I don't feel well loved. So when life is hard, you know, putting love in your life, and I'm not just talking about like a romantic relationship. I'm talking about the feeling of being well loved by people with or without a romantic relationship. Some people can only view it as with a significant other or partner. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being well loved by people and being well loved in life. So, and I'm blessed because I have been well loved in life and that makes life so much, so much richer and so much better. So I just covered 14 different areas that might be missing or the addition of which would be powerful in life. So that gives you kind of a place to start. So before I move on, I want to deal with overwhelm because some of the people who are listening, some of you who are listening to this podcast are likely, it's extremely likely or predictable, that a percentage of you are dealing with overwhelm. You are overwhelmed with life. So you have, life is hard, so you have some hardship or some pain and suffering and you're overwhelmed. So I have a, let's see, I have a podcast on dealing with overwhelm. I have a blog post that has a diagram on dealing with overwhelm and I have a YouTube video on the same thing. So here's the thing about overwhelm. Overwhelm is what's what I call, I'm asserting overwhelm is a construct. So what that means is it's, it's your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, and a whole bunch of stuff kind of collapsed into this thing called overwhelm. And, and if you take the time to examine it and diagram it, your brain can learn the pattern, your pattern of overwhelm. Now your pattern of overwhelm is going to be different than mine because we're different. But what you'll find in my blog post, if you go to my website, is the literal diagram, a picture of the diagram. And you can print that off and then you're going to diagram your own overwhelm. You know, because overwhelm doesn't have to permeate your life all the time. And that's how it is for some people. For some people, they're, they're just kind of in a constant state of overwhelm. It's perpetual. It's frequent. It's common. And it's amazing. So, so if you diagram your own overwhelm, which is going to be, you know, so first of all, when there's a trigger and then you have a thought and then you have your next thought, and your next thought, and you have your feelings and you have your, you know, your physical sensations and then you have what's happening. You diagram all that. Your brain is going to latch onto that because your brain is wired to have shortcuts because anytime your brain can create a shortcut, it saves and conserves brain energy. So it's helpful. And I didn't know this when I diagrammed my overwhelm. I had, I didn't know about neuroplasticity of the brain. I did not know that my brain was going to latch onto this pattern. And then the next time I got into overwhelm, go click, 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 click through the steps. And like in a, and literally a minute or less, 
I was out of overwhelm. Like I didn't know that was going to happen when I diagrammed overwhelm. Now I'm telling you, your brain is very smart and loves shortcuts. And so overwhelm doesn't have to be something that runs your life. And if it does run your life, then there's work for you to do. And the good news is you can do it. And the other really great news is you can actually learn to deal with overwhelm once and for all. And if overwhelm is a common feeling for you or frequent, then that would be a good place to start. So my next topic is getting back in the driver's seat. Well, when life is hard, so you've had something happen or, or your life could just be like hard all the time, that happens for people, or you could be in, you know, any number of situations, there comes a time where you just have to say, I'm getting back in the driver's seat. I'm going to start driving my car. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to pause. I'm going to chill. And then I'm going to say, hmm, it's what, how do I want my life to go? And it's really like the step of you taking your life back. And I highly recommend doing that with a team. Why? Because you'll be more successful. Why? Because it'll be way more fun. <laughs> like, and by the way, you know, like most other people could use the same things you need or you could grow. Like we're talking about growth and development here. And while you're dealing with life being hard, I have to tell you that there's this wonderful, amazing thing called post-traumatic growth. And it's in the research and there's even books on it, but but what post-traumatic growth means is that you can take a hardship. Okay, life is hard. That's a hardship. You could take a hardship, life's challenges, bereavement loss, and you can, the operative word is you can, choose to become a better version of yourself and choose to have life be more rich and more rewarding. That's what's possible when life is hard. When life is hard, you can get back in the driver's seat, get right, crawl right over the back into the front seat, get right back in the front seat and say to yourself, yes, I am going to take advantage of post-traumatic growth. I am going to make my life better. I'm now back in the driver's seat. I have nowhere, I have no idea where I'm going or how to get there. That's okay, but I am going to create a team because that sounds like fun and get a team of people or at least a buddy because you'll be way more successful when you're supported and choose post-traumatic growth. Choose to be a better version of yourself, which means growth and development. So get back in the driver's seat. I don't care if you're like in the back of a minivan crawl over the seat in front of you, crawl over the next seat. Like, you know, when life is really hard, you have to take things moment by moment instead of day by day. Like, I know how hard life is and I know you can get there. And the research supports, I mean, people have had the most catastrophic losses. Go online, you can read about them. And they chose to grow and develop themselves. They chose to create a better life for themselves. And you can do that too. My next thing is about why focusing on happiness is key. Well, we already heard from the three levels of suffering that level two is, you know, you're suffering, but you find some happiness and joy. And that makes hardship and a hard time way better. 
And so what you can do is you can sprinkle your life here and there with things that make you happy. Now, as a life coach, I know when I start coaching someone and I'll say to them, what are the things that make you happy? I've never had one person in all the years say, oh, here's the five things that make me happy or here's the 10 things that make me happy. No, this is not something that is on, you know, someone's lips. They, they have to really think about it. They have to, they struggle to figure out what makes them happy because we're not a society organized around happiness. We are not. We are kind of the opposite. So you can sprinkle your life with heart, with happiness. And why is this so important? The reason, so first of all, you're going to feel better and there's tremendous benefits for happiness. But the real big reason that you want to have happiness when life is hard and happiness when you're suffering is, is because I just did a podcast that's called How Happiness Can Literally Save Your Life. Now that's an assertion I am making based on science. Now, the science in that podcast, so that's a deviation from my typical podcast because it's an assertion based on science. Now, in the, and it's also a deviation from my typical podcast because I read the science in the podcast because I want people to hear the science and then make their own decision. But this new field, well, sorry, not that new, but the field of psychoneuroimmunology is the science of how what you think, how you feel, your thoughts, and your behaviors coupled with external social and environmental signals and clues can be permissive for inflammatory diseases. So I just want to say that again. Your thoughts, behaviors, emotions coupled with external social and environmental clues and signals can be permissive for inflammatory diseases including cancer, asthma, viruses, sepsis, and so much more. So when something can be permissive for disease, what we know in science is something else can be protective. When we have something that's permissive for disease, we have something that can be protective. So it's really critical that you bring some happiness into your life, even when it's hard or especially when it's hard. So, you know, like the science on happiness and heart disease is, there's no controversy there. Happiness helps you protect your heart, helps you lower your blood pressure, we're very clear about happiness and heart disease. We're very clear about happiness and, you know, strengthening and boosting your immune system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, happiness is literally so important. And you can sprinkle your life with happiness, even when, oh, for example, when you have seven major life challenges that happen in a very short window. Oh, yeah, I know about that. I would say more about that, except it might not be safe and it might not be prudent. So let me just say it, say it that way. All right, so I'm going to give you some overall suggestions. I've already covered some different ideas and some different, you know, kind of sidebars. But I want to give you kind of an overall, let's get going for when life is hard. So number one, just take a breath and breathe. 
like and just recognize life is hard all the time for lots of people and if you're listening to this podcast and your life has never been hard I'd say God bless you God bless you I hope that continues but for most people life has been hard or is frequently hard so just breathe just take a breath and breathe number two I want you to take stock like where are you at in life well I don't know I have no idea but take stock and number three triage your problems or issues so you're gonna have to kind of figure out take stock where are you where are you in life where do you want to be triage your help your problems or your issues or what needs to be dealt with and then number four pull together a team listen I do almost everything in life in a team because I'm a fan of team teams are way more fun and I'm a fan of making things fun because like life is too hard so I, I do have a podcast about having more fun and play in life and I, I listen this is what I do this is what I do because my life has always been hard and yet I'm happy I'm healthy and I have fun despite whatever hardship and suffering is going on because that's what I do but put together a team and if you don't have people to pull together in a team you could find a group on reddit with strangers or you could I mean you got to be safe if you're if you're getting together with people you don't know I mean you got to be prudent and safe but find a team there's ways to find a team and number five you're going to put yourself on the road to growth and development because you want to take advantage of post-traumatic growth you want to use this period of life being hard or maybe your whole life's been hard but you want to use when life is hard as a springboard for post-traumatic growth and becoming a better version of yourself and becoming having life become more rich and rewarding why would you not want that well if you're the victim if you play the victim or the martyr yeah no you're not gonna want that if you're like a, a know-it-all or you know you have some cognitive distortion where you're always right yeah you're gonna walk away from this that's fine but other people are going to choose it. So I say choose it. Number six, make happiness a priority. I already covered that. So I have um, a crash course in happiness, which is a three podcast series that just highlights different aspects that are really critical for happiness. And then, of course, I've got the how happiness can literally save your life, which is all science. And I highly recommend you listen to the science and make your own decision about what you think about happiness and health number seven get on the road to emotional intelligence which means growing your emotions to be a superpower now if you go to my if you go to Newsweek expert forum with my name Lisa A. Lundy they have on my profile all my articles and the quotes that I've been quoted in for their articles but you can find my article on newsweek.com about emotions being a superpower you want your emotions to be a superpower you really do because it's amazing so when life is hard and you have emotions as something that you are really highly skilled at well, that's gonna make life like a hundred percent easier it's still gonna be hard it's still gonna be painful because pain is pain but it will be much easier next I recommend you bump up your self-care self-care should be fun like make everything fun I just don't know why you wouldn't want to make things fun and enjoyable so make your self-care fun 
make whatever you're going to do to take care of yourself be amazing. And, and I have a whole podcast about that. Um, start growing your self-compassion is number nine. That's on the same podcast. It's self-care and self-compassion. It is amazing to tame your inner critic. Like my inner critic is so tame. When it rears its head, I just kind of look at it and tell it where to go. <laughs> and it's amazing because I'm, I'm, my brain is so well trained about the inner critic that when it shows up, my brain's just like, oh yeah, we're going to tell you where to go. Take a hike. Uh, so, you know, start growing your self-compassion because that's really going to help you feel better every day and in life. And especially when life is hard. And number 10, I want you to make a plan and start executing your plan with your team, making it wildly fun and exciting. I, listen, I always have goals and a plan. And I mean, I don't always have a team, but if there's something I'm up to, like we just started this social outing club locally. And so I have a team on that. Then people know they're on the people know they're on the team. <laughs> like you don't put people on the team without telling them. I mean, they might be a little surprised like, oh, I'm on the team. Yep, you're on the team. And sometimes people will put themselves on your team without with, without you asking them. They'll say, oh, I'm on your team. So like make a plan, start executing your plan, you know, have a team, celebrate with your team, make it fun. Like, listen, life is too hard not to have fun. So here's your takeaways from the podcast. It's just time to recognize that life is hard. It, it's just hard. There are just parts of life that are very hard. Number two, it's time to recognize that at any moment, you could decide as a decision to take advantage of post-traumatic growth and become a better version of yourself by growth and development and have life be richer and more rewarding. That's that's something you could choose. And number three, it's time to get a team together or at least a buddy and, and make it fun and make it rewarding. And of course, I recommend a reward system. I'm always talking about a reward system. So here's my call to action. It's just time to get into action to make your life be the best it can be. It's just that's what time it is. And number two, it's time to take people with you. Yes, take people with you and show them how to have fun and show them like, hey, we're going to do this together. And lastly, share this podcast on social media so you can help other people recognize that life is hard, but there's actually something that you can do about it. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 64, When Life is Hard. I hope that you're going to take some of the actions that I've outlined today to start making your life better because you can. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically and don't forget to enter my giveaway on my website because that would make me happy. So hang in there. I appreciate you. I love you. That's all for now.